Uh, the rest of you, even before opening your Bible, we're going to play a game. So I, w- I want to see your dominant hand raised for a second. Just put up your dominant hand. All right, good. Any lefties out there? Raise them loud and proud if you're a lefty. There it is. I know there's one, my son, Jim Cook. All right, all right, you can put your hand down. You're going to take your dominant hand, and you're going to communicate the following messages, okay? Um, here's number one. We're number one. Let's see it. Okay. Go that way. Use one hand to communicate. Go that way. Show me the number four. Okay, I'm doing okay. Okay, I don't like this. (laughs) Okay, um, hang loose. Where's Nico? Nico, we learned hang loose on on my front lawn the other day. How about peace? All right, Mork from Ork. Anyone? Shazbat? Come on, man. No, that's, is that, yeah. Is that Spock? What did, help me out. Mork from Ork. What did he do? He had some, oh, he shook hands that way. That's what he did. All right. Okay, now still with one hand. By the way, that's early Robin Williams, 80s television, maybe 70s television. Um, still with one hand. Show me time out. One hand. One hand. Okay. Show me, uh, I'm praying for you. One hand. How come you're not participating? Okay. Um, show me uh, you're in grave danger. Stop. Okay. Show me um, I heart you. Okay. That looks like a broken heart. Poor Josh is up here like this. <laughs> Becky taught me the Korean heart. Yes, you got it. I learned that from Becky. Becky's my uh, test person for all these. Okay. Um, still with one hand. Um, take two pills each morning with food. Show me. Okay. Still with one hand. Um, take Highway 85 North to 280 North and take Sand Hill Road exit. Okay. I love you too, Nico. Nico's just like, I love you. He feels bad for me. Um, still with one hand. Divide the square root of 18 by 7. Okay, Um, still with one hand, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Okay, Lucas evidently has the same message that as we're number one. He's just going like this. So, um, all right, here's the point. God gave us lots of tools. Um, Hands are great. Signs are great. Um, But... God has given us the gift of speech, and today we're talking about opening your mouth. We're going to learn how to open our mouth to communicate the most important message we could ever imagine. Your mouth is best at proclaiming good news. So there are limited things that we can do with a hand or two, um, but when it comes to thinking about uh, sharing the gospel, we're talking about evangelism today. And quite simply, evangelism is sharing the gospel and calling people to a decision. At its very heart, it's sharing the gospel and calling people to a decision. Now, I'm going to unpack what I even just said in case that doesn't make a ton of sense to you. We're going to get into all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that sort of are included in this, what I would call maybe pre-evangelism, and we're going to see that there's all kinds of things to it, but at its nugget, that it's actually opening your mouth and proclaiming and using your mouth. Now, when we take two weeks and say, how do we share the good news of Jesus Christ? How do we share? Um, There's a couple of ways we could go about this, and let me just start by saying this, that... um, you already know how to share good news. You already know how to share good news. You do this all the time. You might t- say, hey, call me when you get a second. I can't wait to tell you something. You've just invited someone to hear from you good news. Now, normally, you don't go on FaceTime and use one hand to kind of communicate things to that person, right? You just tell them. You begin to talk. And here's what happens. Over time, Your ability to communicate good news that matches the message is honed by people's reaction to you. 
If you're being obnoxious, you will get that message back and you'll change your tone or your message or something so that you're communicating. If you're not clear, you'll sort of go at it a different way. So we all have our skills of learning how to share good news already honed um, by just living, by just being alive and and being uh, around. So here's why I start with that is I want you to take a deep breath right now, actually. Okay, did you know that actually right there, that helps your brain focus better? You just got a bunch of oxygen. You got a little insert of oxygen. But that deep breath represents this. Um, when I'm in church, I take diligent notes. I do that in part to keep my own brain that can go on a hundred different paths focused on what's here. I want to devote myself to what's here. But your ability to share the good news of Jesus, I hope will be helped by a few things that you write down today. I hope it will be helped by some of the points that I bring up and all of that. But the big deep breath at the beginning is this. The best way to learn how to share the good news is not to study or memorize techniques. It's to study and put your mind on the gospel. You study God and the gospel, and your ability to share the good news will skyrocket. It will grow. It will increasingly grow over time. So although it's a learned skill to be able to get clear and learn some things, we're going to look at that over these next two weeks, the best thing you can do is actually just to study the gospel. Remind yourself of the gospel. Study God. Keep devoting yourself to him and seeing him in relationship with you. Remember this, that everyone here already knows how to evangelize. You evangelize because you already know how to share things that are really important to you. If you like a restaurant, if you like a band, if you like a product... You already evangelize. Many people wear logos on their shirt, and they're wearing a logo on a shirt just to say, like, hey, I like this brand. I do this activity, right? Uh, people do that on their car. So we, we, all, we all do this anyways. We already sort of talk about what is most important to us. That said, when it comes to sharing the gospel with someone, it feels different than sharing a restaurant recommendation. Would you agree? So why is that? By the way, this is going to be a little more classroom these next two weeks. So when I ask questions, I'm really asking questions and really wanting feedback, okay? And by the way, loads of grace always. So this is a place to put your ideas and thoughts out there. And you may go, yeah, in hindsight, I would have changed my answer. Thanks for volunteering just sort of a a stab at it. But tell me, why why does it feel different to share the good news of Jesus versus share the good news of a restaurant you went to recently? What are some thoughts that come to mind? What? The content, okay? People have strong feelings about their faith. Absolutely. What? One is permanent. So maybe the stakes of what you're talking about, unless it's a steak restaurant, that's confusing. Um, But one's permanent, one's temporary. Like a restaurant comes and goes. Yeah, I get that. Any other thoughts? Yeah, how are people going to receive you? How are they going to respond to this? Yeah. Rejection, okay? What's that? No That's interesting, isn't it? Very few people are offended by, by the restaurant you choose, but they could very well be offended by, by your beliefs. So let's stop there. You guys are doing great, by the way. This is going to be fun. Um, so let me, show you, let me show you a statement that we say around here, and, um, and I, hope that you will, I hope this will lodge in our brains as we say it more and more. Um, but this, this idea that NBC as a church, we are on a mission to turn strangers into neighbors and by God's grace, neighbors into family. So some things that are highlighted from this statement are this. It highlights that evangelism is, is often a process, not a single event. So even when it's a, we're going to get to the Apostle Paul being converted to Christianity in Acts in a little bit. And if there's ever a guy who had like a lightning bolt moment of like, you're on the wrong team, come follow me, it was Paul, right? But even Paul, I would, I would say that all these events leading up to it that we see are actually part of, part of his conversion. 
They're part of how God was moving and, and working in Paul. So it shows that evangelism is a process, not a single event. It's been said before, like, let's say A to Z um, is, is sort of Christian discipleship. And let's say M is the letter at which you make a decision to follow Christ. What that means is this. You might be talking to someone who has been moving along a continuum toward a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and they're at letter C. And the conversation you have or the, the interaction you have might actually be moving them from the letter C to the letter D, right? You're moving them along the continuum. We, don't, we aren't privy to that information. We don't know when and where that will happen. Post-conversion, it's not like someone makes a decision for Christ and we go, great, and we just go on and keep doing other things. The Bible is very, very clear that we are to grow up in Christ. We're actually to help people along. It's called discipleship, and we help people along in their faith. So after they make a decision for Christ, guess what? There's, there's ways to grow them, ways to help them, ways to move them along. So it shatters the myth that we must close the deal on every spiritual conversation we ever have. Isn't that relieving to you? Most people are not salesmen. They're just not salesmen, and they feel like that sometimes when they're sharing their faith, and so it keeps them from sharing their faith. We had a guy in here, I went to high school with him, his name's Dan, and Dan shared one time, I just love this, but he says, whenever someone asks me, he's a street evangelist, so he goes out every single week, Dan's out at art festivals and the pier down at Monterey and downtown Santa Cruz, just all over the place. He's part of the organization called Seed Sowers. So he's just out there kind of, you know, uh, sharing, sharing his faith. And he gets people asking all the time, how many people have you led to the Lord? You know what his answer is? All of them. All of them. That just means, man, everyone I meet, I'm leading to the Lord. It doesn't mean that they've signed on the dotted line, that they've prayed a prayer, that they've walked an aisle. It means that everyone he encounters, he leads to the Lord. So take another deep breath. And just realize, I don't have to close the deal. In fact, here's what I want to challenge you with today. I want you to grow in opening your mouth. I'm going to push some of you. I'm going to push myself. I've been pushing myself this week as I've I've been preparing this. I'm going to push you to open your mouth. But we also get to rest when... um, when, when it doesn't close the deal. If, if that happens, we're ready, we're willing, and we're able to step into that. And if it doesn't, we rest. Here's what I'm absolutely convinced, convinced of, that God is at work and God wants this. Whenever you are praying for people to come to a saving knowledge of the truth, we know that God is for that prayer. You are praying in line with what God wants to be done. In fact, as we head into Easter, the most important thing you can do is not listen to some techniques on how to share your faith, it's to pray. In fact, we still do a Wednesday pastor's prayer time that began, I don't even know, 10 years ago, Rich, more? And you know where it was born out of an effort to grow in our personal evangelism? We took some time and we just as a church committed to growing in our personal evangelism and we started just praying before that as pastors, before we ever presented it to our church. We said, God, if you're going to move, it's going to be because we're crying out to you, calling out to you on behalf of lost people. So God is at work, God wants this, and God will use you. Here's what I'm going to do. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down five mindsets. And five mindsets means we just... We just Sort of keep these in mind. Are there actions attached to the mindsets? Absolutely. Uh, But I'm going to get less into the specific actions today and more into the mindsets. So mindset number one is I will daily set my mind on the good news of great joy that is for all people. Remember the announcement in Luke 2? That's the angel's announcements to the shepherd. I bring you tidings of good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's the gospel. Gospel simply means good news. So by setting our mind daily on it, it will begin to change our life. This is what the Bible talks about when it says, take every thought captive. This is what the Bible talks about when it says to set your mind, not on temporal things, but on eternal things. Bruce, that's what you were getting at a little bit. By doing this, we see people and our circumstances through a biblical lens. 
I do this at the start of my day, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Maybe this coincides with some diligent, regular Bible reading and prayer, but maybe if that's, if that's you in the afternoon or in the evening or whatever else, taking a couple of minutes, literally two minutes, if you have a habit of showering in the morning, praise God for good hygiene. Thank you. Keep doing that. Two minutes while the water's warming up. Two minutes in the shower. Two minutes while you're brushing your teeth. But getting in a habit where you are just setting your mind at the start of the day on the good news of great joy that is for all people. Some of you look at a verse a day on on your phone. That's awesome. That might be a good way to start your day. Some of you might use a little prayer book. I use different devotionals that I read almost every single day, and, um, and those help steer my thoughts. Sometimes little phrases can kind of help. Let me show you one that we use a long time ago. And this image, regularly, I sit with this image. I had to go dig this up because I haven't used this in a while. But we were preaching through some book of the Bible. And we saw that there was two kinds of works. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ so that you can strive at the good work. We have good work to get after. Jesus doesn't save us just to stay safely on our side. Phew! dodged a eternal bullet with that one, let's have more potlucks, right? It's rest in the finished work so that this guy is leaping courageously, full of faith, so that we can strive at the good work. You get this mixed up and you get works-based theology, that we're striving at the good work so that we can rest in, in, in God, so that we can know that God's happy with us. Nonsense. The gospel is completely opposite of that. Many tend to overestimate their presentation of the gospel and underestimate the Bible. Underestimate prayer. Underestimate the promise that the Holy Spirit will give us words to say in that moment. So if you're worried about your presentation, I think that's good. You want to be really clear. You don't want to be promising things God doesn't promise. I think that's really, really good. But don't overestimate your delivery. And we see in Scripture, God uses a lot of different things. um, And so let's not elevate ourselves too much. All right. Let me show you. um, I've been going through a a prayer book, taking one prayer a week. And it has some cool artwork that's kind of next to it. Um, But I, I came across this one. This was probably four weeks ago that I saw it. And it was just really, really powerful. It says this. May I have enough faith in the truth that I happily abandon the temptation to sell it. That I happily abandon the temptation to sell it. That means that you don't need to get people to the restaurant, so to speak. You get to, give, you get to bear witness about who Jesus is, what he's done, and that it calls for a decision, but we don't need to sell it. Here's mindset number two. Mindset number two is this. I will pray for and be watchful for opportunities. I will pray for and be watchful for opportunities. Do you know that I have seen a ton of white vans around our city this week? They're everywhere. Now, I'm noticing them for a really specific reason. Um, Tuesday, I think it was, I left for work super early. My wife calls me at 7.25, and she says, Dave, where's the van? The van was stolen from out in front of our house. Now, because our van was stolen, it's a big white 11-passenger van, in case you didn't know, because our van was stolen, all of a sudden, I'm on the lookout for our van. So guess what? There's a ton of white vans. They're all over the place. Now, they've always been there, haven't they? But I wasn't paying attention to white vans before Tuesday. All of a sudden, on Tuesday, I started paying attention to it. I actually got a next-door comment that said, I think I saw your van in my neighborhood. Well, Friday, I came in to finish up some work, and I got a call. They said, they found our van. It was in that neighborhood, so it didn't get very far. So we actually have our van back. It's been a very eventful day for our van and the Carlson's. But I bring that up because of this. Opportunities to open your mouth for Jesus are exactly like that. 
You begin to watch for them. You begin to pray for them. You begin to decide in advance. God, if you open a door, I commit in advance. I'm going to step through the door. Guess what? Opportunities to open your mouth about Jesus are everywhere. You know why? Because people are everywhere. And as you think like this, you'll begin to, uh, you'll begin to have these things just abundantly. So predetermining that I am God's man and that I will step through opportunities that are presented um, leads to these kinds of things. I am God's man when I'm getting my hair cut. I was getting my hair cut a couple weeks ago. A guy named Tony and I got talking. And it was one of, seriously, it was one of the longest haircuts I've ever had. And it was due to the incredible conversation that we had. We had a really amazing conversation. Um, I don't always do this. Sometimes I periodically pray in advance. Like just, God, help me see my barista well and love them well. And I'm here and ready and willing to open my mouth if, if needed. I didn't do that. But me and Tony got into a relationship and got to, got to talking. Um, this goes on with the officer that helped us a couple of days ago. We were waiting around for a AAA truck to come and tow our van, and we got talking. And this happens with random neighbors. This goes on with coworkers. So if we are looking for these and you're ready for this, they, they are just absolutely everywhere. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. This is a verse worth coming back to. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Stay with this. Stay with coming back and devoting yourselves to prayer. Don't raise your hand, but some of you in this room have, have given up on beloved family members that they'll ever become Christians. You can know that. The way you can inventory that is think back to the last time you've prayed for them. Maybe there was a season you just prayed fervently and more and more and more. And truth be told, right now, you go, you know what? If it were indicative of my prayer life, I will have to admit, I think I've given up on them ever coming to Christ. We just sang a truth this morning that with a word, a mountain can be moved. With a touch, healing that no one else could touch is gone and healed forever. The shame and the guilt and the sin and the despair and the self-loathing, all of that can be erased in a moment. We're a room full of testimonies about that. We bear witness to this, don't we? So devote yourself to prayer. Don't let an opportunity go by that you're spending time with that loved one or with that neighbor or with that coworker, or even just in the circle of strangers that you're with um, by praying for them. Let me ask you this. This is uh, real answer time. We started to get into this a little bit, but there are hurdles that keep us from opening our mouth. And let's talk specifically about opening our mouth for a moment. So, can you share Christ by doing all these other things? Yes. Let me tell you some of the other things. Um, sharing your testimony, being a giving person, being a kind person, signs and wonders that might go on. These are all, these are all ways we can, we can sort of show off Christ. But evangelism, actually opening your mouth and explaining the gospel to someone and calling for a decision, isn't really those things specifically. And what I'm leaning into, what I'm pressing into is opening our mouth and evangelizing. So what is it that slows you down or stops you altogether from evangelizing, from sharing the gospel with people? What are some things? Sounding offensive? Yeah. Yeah, Catherine. Not having all the answers. answers. Yep. Josh. Sounding like a retard. retard. Okay. Sounding judgmental. Not sure it's the right time. Yep. Fearing man instead of fearing God. 
Nico, what do you got, buddy? Thanks for sharing, pal. What else? Don't want to mess it up. Yeah. Don't feel worthy. I don't know enough. Yeah. Being embarrassed. Yeah. I don't want to make Christians look bad through me, sort of the way you might say it. Is that what you're saying? Okay, Lucas? Don't think they care? Yeah. One more, Andrew. What's that? Shamed of your testimony? Okay. Yeah. So just, um, just paying attention to this room, did you track with some of the answers that were there? Okay. Here's what I want you to know. You're not alone in sort of the increased heart rate or the sweaty palms or the throbbing in the head or the whatever. And here's the thing. I actually think that's a good thing. I think those physiological reactions to that moment of, I think I'm going to be able to share the gospel with someone, it actually is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you know what, you know what doesn't care whether you share the gospel or not is your old self. Your old self wants comfort. Your old self wants your name to be fine. Your old self wants just... Peace, happiness, and love, and just kind of cruising through. So that those physiological reactions, I think those are actually really, really good signs. We're going to look next week a little bit more carefully at this, but oftentimes there's about a 10-second window where you get to speak up and be ready to, to share, or the moment passes. Have you sensed that before? There's some window, maybe 10 seconds, like, I don't know if it's 7.2 or 12.9, but some, some little window of time is there, and you know. This is my opportunity, this isn't. Let me give you one more encouragement. Um, Lucas is growing in his golf game. It's a slow, painful process. But um, as he's golfing, when you take a golf shot and it just does terrible things, there's, there's, a, there's a tendency you might want to just go, put it in the bag, walk up, and go hit your next shot. A wise golfer who actually wants to get better will actually go, what on earth just happened? And they'll evaluate a little bit. They'll go, man, my divot is two inches behind the ball. I'm, I'm swinging too low. Uh, it, went, it went like this. I guess my club face was open. They'll sit and do some self-evaluation. Here's some self-evaluation you can do. Jesus describes himself as a shepherd and that his sheep know his voice. There are times, Christian, probably many times, when you have felt a burden for someone that's supernatural, you don't know them or you don't particularly care for them or you don't feel like sharing in that moment and you feel this nudge to open your mouth and you've said no. You just kind of nod your head if you've experienced this before. Okay, so it's not just me. Evaluate that. Let that grieve you. I've driven away from places and interactions where again, I was, I was kind of blindsided by it and I was like, Lord, that was you. And I kept my mouth shut. Why? Why would I do that? I love you with all that I am. Everything that I've sang this morning, I believe with my whole heart. That's why I'm here. Why did I just do that? Why did I pull back from that? What do I think I'm going to gain from that? Those are really good evaluations. Because then we can learn to recognize, no, that's the Lord prompting, I'm going to go and do this. My, my idea wouldn't be to interrupt my dinner right now and go interrupt that person's dinner. Here's another thing that maybe in community groups you can share these stories, but you will find yourself engaged in conversation and you'll have no way type moments. The person you're talking to will go, I can't believe you're talking to me right now. In a good way. I can't believe you brought up that verse. I can't believe you steered the conversation in that direction. Who are, how did you know that? And that's just the Holy Spirit putting his servants where they need to be, and us just responding. 
Let me assure you of something. Most times in my life, I can't see around the next bend. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't even know how this fits necessarily. But you learn to open your mouth. Let me say this about hurdles. Some of the hurdles that keep you or slow you from opening your mouth are real and some of them are perceived. I think more of them are perceived than real. It's just like worry. Many things you worry about never come to pass. So they're bigger in your mind than they are in reality. Let me show you too that we, we kind of touched on these, but you can jot these down. One is secret sin. Here's what I mean by that. If all of our energy every week, all the time, is fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil, three enemies of God that the Bible speaks very clearly about, if we're constantly in this sort of merry-go-round of, of besetting sin, we are, we are not able or we're ashamed to go share the gospel. We know we're being hypocritical. Our energy and focus is, is, is here. Let me, let me read for you a verse. In fact, turn there if you're, if you're able. 2 Timothy chapter 2. There's a lot of twos in this passage. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. That's a lot of twos. I want you to look at this because, and this is in your notes, so uh, all the blue in your notes, those are great ways to go back and kind of review what we talked about. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says this. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Goes on to get clarity. How do I cleanse myself? Isn't it Jesus that cleanses us? Absolutely. But we participate with this ongoing grace. So flee youthful passions, it says, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Who you're hanging with, who you're following, who you're listening to, who you're being discipled by, that's going to steer you away from God or toward God. Don't just stop doing these things. God doesn't just save you from sin. He saves you to a life of purpose, to a life of righteousness and faith and love and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Mindset number three, I will keep myself pure for God's purposes. So kind of in that vein of secret sin, I will keep myself pure for God's purposes. Here's hurdle number two that I want to mention. And some of this was touched on a little bit in our answers as well. But hurdle number two to opening our mouth for the gospel is eyes on ourself. If your eyes are on yourself, um, there'll be some results that will come from that. If your eyes shift from yourself to other people, what happens is some of the very hurdles that we mentioned would begin to melt away. Here's a really convicting question that I wish I didn't ask myself, but I did, and it's been helpful. I'm going to ask it of you. Do I love my own comfort more than this person? Do I love my own comfort more than this person? I think we can be so cold-hearted to people. Sometimes it's just inconvenient. We're like, you know what? I created a buffer to get to this place on time. I like buffer in time, in appointments, so I'm going to skip it this time. Sometimes it's that we just, we just honestly don't want the discomfort that this might bring. So that's a penetrating question, isn't it? But if we get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the other people, to people around us, uh, it's a game changer for us. And this has to come from the Lord. In the flesh, you will always only care about you and your own. That will be your circle. But this is good news of great joy for who? For all people. That announcement that came to the shepherds is still true for us. The good news of great joy that you are sharing is for all people. Yes, that guy. Yes, that girl. So open your mouth. 
Here's number four, mindset number four. I will take my, my, my eyes off myself. So just in relation to that second hurdle I just brought up. Romans 15, 1 says this, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. So love your neighbor as yourself is sometimes called the golden rule. And if you look at all the major religions of the world, there's, there's some variation of the golden rule that is in there. Why is that? I have a hunch that's because we're all made in the image of a good God. That's a biblical idea that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. But it shows up in other religions because we're image bearers. But isn't it true that our problem has never been memorizing the golden rule? Who, who can't memorize that? Love your neighbor as yourself. Got it. It's never been a problem of knowing. It's a problem of doing, isn't it? That's where the rub is. That's where it gets challenging. No one can claim ignorance in here. I didn't know. You knew. Even if the Bible didn't tell you, even if I haven't said it, even if we haven't sung it, you knew. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not a problem of knowing. It's a problem of doing. One of the things about people wanting a moral compass, um, you know, this being a moral compass without Christ, all this does, if this is a moral compass for people, I just try to love people as I love myself. You know what that moral, moral compass will tell you again and again and again and again? You're lost. You cannot keep the needle where it's supposed to go. Friends, we need more than a, a moral compass. We need a savior. We need a savior that will take us and put us on the path, keep us on the path, and motivate us and enable us to keep walking on the path. Otherwise, that moral compass will repeatedly just say, you're not measuring up. You're not measuring up. That's the good news of the gospel. Christ saves. And when we get off path, Christians, what do we do with our sin? We kill it. How do we kill it? We repent of it. We renounce it. We say the punishment for it's been nailed to the cross. I'm no longer bound to that sin. God, forgive me. Get me back on the straight and narrow, the things that I love to do. Jesus is able to come and shatter the man-made barriers that we construct with people. Many people reject a God and a gospel they know nothing about. And they won't know about it unless you open your mouth and tell them. Here's what's wonderful. This is a part of the good news. You and I don't have to muster up love for other people. Phew! You and I don't have to muster up care or kindness or patience with people's inane pushback or questioning. We don't have to muster up any of that. You know what we do? We receive it from the Lord and we pass it on. We receive those things from the Lord and we pass it on. So part of the fruit of the Spirit, which is just sort of one conglomerate thing, are, are those things I just listed. Those are the things God is growing in us. So we just pass that on what we've already received. Here's mindset number five, the fifth one. I will grow and learn to open my mouth. I will grow and learn to open my mouth. I'm going to get to a lengthy passage now, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. I want to read this, and I want you to follow along. So turn in your Bibles to Romans 10, 8. And this is going to be, this is going to be what I want you to sit with this week, this chunk of Scripture here in the middle of Romans. There's a dog breed called a pointer, and, uh, and pointers are... Look just like this. They're, they're bred to do this right here. They're bred to, to point the way. Now, the challenge with this is, what is that dog telling you? Unless it's Lassie, who can tell you that Timmy fell in the well and kind of like does those things. I don't, I don't know if he communicates it that way, but he understands all that. This isn't Lassie. He's just telling you something's going on that way, but not a lot of detail. 
I was talking with someone. I don't even know where I heard this. Maybe it was one of you. But someone said this. Um, my dog's barking means either a murderer has entered my house and is about to harm me, or my neighbor closed the door. Like, there's no variation in my dog's barking. Like, once they bark, they just go, you know, zero to a thousand percent. And I, and I kind of cracked up, because if you have a barking dog, that's kind of the deal. You're like, dude, that's like, I had a, our dog was barking at a bee that was caught in our screen on Saturday morning. And we're like, buddy, it's just okay. Like, re- release, relax, it's okay. Dogs barking or dogs pointing is great, but it's back to sort of the one-handed thing. God gave us speech. God gave us a brain. God gave us imagination. God gave us these tools. So instead of leaving the most important message to charades and saying, well, I live a good life as a model for people to follow, I can tell you they aren't following because of that. And I get that from Romans 10, 8 that says this. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes through hearing. Just recently in the book of Acts, we saw that signs and wonders were going on. Miraculous things were happening to a multitude of people. Everyone was experiencing it at the same time. And yet that good sign from God was misunderstood as drunkenness. Remember that? Now, if, if we just lean on signs of goodness and being kind and being sweet and being patient and all these things without opening our mouth, we might be misconstrued as drunks. Peter opened his mouth and said, they are not drunk as you suppose. And then he goes on to give clear biblical witness to the mystery surrounding Jesus Christ. All these hurdles, by the way, we're seeing these in Acts all the time. We're seeing that there is confrontation to it. Multiple times now, Peter said, the son of God, whom you killed. Next time you're witnessing to someone, unless you're accusing them personally of killing Jesus Christ, you're, you're on easier, safer ground than Peter did. Peter the denier. Peter the three times denier. Fearful of opening his mouth. Now bold as a lion. Preaching the good news of Jesus. How did people hear? Because someone opened their mouth and spoke it to them. I want to close with this very quickly because this gets into some of the nuts and bolts of, of, um, of what I'm talking about. So I will grow and learn to open my mouth. By the way, every single week you're in church, you're hearing and learning new ways to talk about this. I took all the time from my church growing up, all the time. Don't you ever wish that a friend of yours or a conversation you were in could have heard what was said in here in that way? You go, oh, that would have nailed it. I used to always think that. So I would try to sort of glean and learn from that. There's YouTube videos, some good, some bad. Always return to the Bible. But on my lunch hour, I just watch YouTube videos sometimes. It's really helpful to me. And God will use those kinds of conversations to go, oh, I can do that. That's a really good way of saying that. I like that. That fits me. 
So growing to, to open our mouth. Um, let me blitz through this. Kind of the what, who, and why. What is the gospel? Let me say it very, very clearly. The gospel is not something we do. The gospel is something God has done. Get that in your head. The gospel is not something we do. The gospel is something God has done. Let me say it the other way. The good news is not what we do. The good news is what God has done. If you let that lodge in your brain, so many times people will turn it into all these different things. And and the turning is into, yeah, but do you live a perfect life? The answer is, by all means, no. Praise God. But the good news is what God did for sinners like me and like you. Here's a summary statement in 1 Corinthians 15.3. It's in your notes, so you can go back and look to this. But Paul writes this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sin in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. You want a summary of what the gospel is? 1 Corinthians 15.3 is a great spot. You know what else is great? John 3.16. What does John 3.16 bring into it? It brings in the decision part of it. What's John 3.16 say? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. All right, a few different translations in there, but we got it. Do you hear that second part? Whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. That shows the stakes, and it shows that a decision must be made. Friend, there's a decision in front of you. Believe or don't. The Bible couldn't be more clear on that. So that's what it is. Let me move on. Um, oops, nope, it's all up there. Who? Who should share? Um, Acts chapter 8, listen carefully to this. We're going to get to this in a couple of weeks. But Acts chapter 8 says this. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This is the death of Stephen. Gria preached on Stephen last week. After the death of Stephen, a great persecution arose. And the gospel goes out due to persecution. God works in the middle of troubles, not in spite of troubles. Everyone goes scattering except the apostles. Why am I bringing that up? Because of verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So who's called to preach the word? Who's called to evangelize? Who's called to open their mouth and carefully share the word? It's an, it's an all-in venture. It's Christians. Who stayed behind according to this? The apostles. There was great persecution. Everyone scattered except the apostles. Who went about preaching the word? The whole church did. It's really profound to me. As I pray for you, I think of you and pray for you. I love knowing where some of you work and live and, uh, and all that. Because I think about this sometimes. I think Sharon in a classroom, she gets to be the church individually where we can't be the church corporately. They don't invite all of us to go to Sharon's classroom. That would be weird. In the firehouse, Jim is individually the church where we can't be the church collectively. So no matter where you go, whether you're in a cubicle or in a classroom desk or at a kitchen or a commuter, per- whatever you're doing, you are there, you are, you are there, and you are the church individually where we can't be collectively. So who should share? You should. Here's the last one. Why should I share? I'm not going to go through all of these, but the number one reason is obedience. We're called and commanded to, to share. It's called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is commanding us to go and make disciples of all nations. We know that very well here at this church. Now, obligation by itself isn't a bad thing. Hear me really clearly. That's not a bad reason. Showing up to church out of obligation, I don't think that's a bad thing. Obligation left to itself tends to breed shame or pride. Isn't that right? If it's only obligation, you're like, well, I go to church every week. You're proud. Or if you miss a week, you're like, well, I should have, would have, could have done it. I'm obligated to do it. It breeds shame. God doesn't leave us with just obligation. 
His command is enough. We trust him that he's good and faithful and loving and, and, and enabling to us. But aside from obligation, love for other people, the desire to glorify him, there is a bond in relationship with the Holy Spirit when you participate with God's heart in opening your mouth for the gospel. Do you know that there's a bond with Jesus when you suffer for Jesus' name? When you open your mouth and your pure motive was, I just really want you, friend, to know and love and experience this Jesus who's alive and well and making changes in people's lives, and they hurl insults at you, they chase you out, they say, don't ever talk to me like that again. I hate what you're talking about. Do you know there's actually an intimacy with Jesus that goes on in that instance? It's true. Band, why don't you come on up? We're actually able to have our joy made complete through obedience. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to get really specific with some scenarios. And my hope is this. My hope is that you will be empowered and encouraged. The passages we're going to look at, if you want to read ahead, are from 2 Corinthians 4 through 6, kind of in those chapters. There's some great stuff where Paul is talking about how specifically to share the gospel. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being the first missionary, for being the missionary God who reaches out to us. God, in the garden, you went looking for Adam and Eve who were hiding from you. God, you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus left his rightful place in heaven to come and to move into our neighborhood, to turn us from strangers to neighbors into his forever family. So God, as we engage in this, we look to you for help. We look to you for wisdom and courage and strength. Set our minds right, God. Help us not believe the lie. It's a lie that people don't want to hear this. It's a lie that people are doing A-OK on their own. We know that's not true. God, would you give us a deep, supernatural, unexplainable love for people around us this week? In Jesus' name.